Hello, and welcome to the Experience Utah podcast. My name's Ty Erickson, and I'll be your host. We will be talking about everything to do with Utah, especially how to experience Utah the way it was intended. Let's get started. This is episode five. I'm super excited about this episode. Today we have Fernando Ramirez on from Rancho Luna Lobos and Luna Lobos dog sledding. Uh, We talk about dog sledding, we talk about his dogs, um, we talk about his early years and we talk a little bit about uh, Park City since he was born and raised there. So let's go ahead and get Fernando on. Fernando, welcome to the Experience Utah podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to have you on. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Tell me about yourself. Uh, give me some background on on what you do and uh, maybe some background on, you know, you being in Utah and just overall background on Fernando. Yeah, no, definitely. So I grew up in Park City and um, I've been running sled dogs since I was eight years old. Okay. So yeah, wow. I've been competing. Yeah. For a long time. <laughs> it is a long time. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, so the deal I had with my mom at that time was that if I wanted to run dogs, we had to rescue them from shelters, uh, the Siberian Huskies, Alaskan Huskies and Alaskan Malamutes. So funny enough is that, that we still to this day, um, carry that same philosophy. So we have about 58 dogs right now, uh, that my wife and I care for. And about 90, 85, 90% of them are rescues. So we're just still rescuing the dogs, giving them a, a second chance at life and just seeing if, if they want to be sled dogs. Wow. Now, do they have to be certain types of dogs in order to do that? You know, now um, as the mushing world has sort of evolved into being so competitive as, as far as sprint racing goes, that you find a lot of mushers using what we call Alaskan Huskies. And what that is, is basically um, a mixed breed between the Siberian Husky and a different type of working dog. Like for example, yeah, like my racing team, they're Siberian Huskies and uh, Greyhound Husky mixes, right? Okay. Yeah. But then we have, you know, your classic Siberian Huskies and Malamutes that we use on our tours and stuff like that. Now, real quick, you also mentioned uh, mushing. So defined people may be wondering what's what's mushing. And I think I've heard that term before, but what is that just kind of a slang term for dog sledding or where does the mushing word come from? Yeah, great question. Mushing actually. So the word mush um, comes from I think it was a French Canadian. Uh, they would use uh, they would say marché to mush on to, to march on excuse me oh okay. uh, marche to march on and then yeah from there it sort of evolved to mush uh and so that's where mushing comes from but in our world now uh mushing is just a general term we use um to describe our sport with the general public because a lot of people know oh mushing yeah 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 but okay. we, yeah yeah <laughs> so you said you started at eight years old what was kind of the like where did the dog sledding or where did that even come from did you was it at all in your family no it wasn't at all and my my dad's an electrical engineer my mother's a school teacher and um i learned it from a cartoon called balto and okay so, <laughs> 
I had a yellow lab at the time and tried a lot of, you know, trial and error runs with my yellow lab. And, uh, when I was about, you know, nine, 10 years old, that's when the internet started coming around and I was able to really, um, search, you know, the sport and learn a little few more commands and you could find me in the library with a ton of, you know, um, dog sled books. And I, it just kind of went from there. And yeah, my parents would take me to Colorado, Idaho, Wyoming. And at that time in Utah, there was still a few races, but we traveled to these different States to race. And I pretty much would learn from the old timers at those races. Okay. So yeah, this was just something you saw, you started taking it on and then you started even competing at a young age as you started learning about it. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I've been racing since I was like nine, nine or 10. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Um, So tell us kind of how that evolved. Obviously it was a hobby and you grew up doing it and I'm guessing competing through that time, similar to somebody would play another sport. Was your life kind of dedicated to that? How often did you do it? Yeah. So in the winter I was always competing and, um, you know, I'd wake up before school, even in middle school, wake up at 6am. Um, my parents had some decent sized property. So Mm. I would run a trail, you know, get the dogs, you know, in the morning and try to run them in the evening, at least twice a week. And And how many uh, did you have at that point? Like when you started, did you kind of do one at a time or did you have to go out and kind of build a, a team of dogs right away? Yeah, we st- I started with three almost right off the bat with three dogs. And then um, the most I've ever built up to when I was a kid uh, or a junior musher, I should say, is <laughs> six dogs. Yeah, okay. six dogs. And how many do they typically have in a race even now? You know, that's a great – it varies. Uh, okay. The races that we run now, since we're running professionally, we run with 14. Um, and then down to my son, you know, my son, he races uh, – two and three dogs in a two mile, three mile class. Cool. So there's different classes and that makes sense. Yeah. Real quick, before we jump deeper into it, if people are just listening right off the bat and they're like, man, this is really cool. I want to learn more about it. What's, how can they right now, if they wanted to go find you online, what's a quick way they can find you real quick? Uh, The the fastest is uh, lunalobos.com. That's our website. Yeah. L U N A. Uh, Luna Lobos, yep. L-O-B-O-S dot com. Correct. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So um, going back to, and we'll kind of come full circle again, but um, born and raised in Utah, you said Park City, right? Like close to da- like Main Street or what part of Park City? Yeah, kind of on the outskirts. We were one of the first families to settle in like um, the uh, Trailside area over okay. by yep, uh, Highland Estates. Okay. So yeah. you grew up, did you go all the way through like Park City High School? and I did, yeah. I went okay. to McPollin, Treasure Mountain, and Park City High where I graduated. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So we could probably have a whole other topic on uh, stuff to do in Park City then, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> do you still reside? I know, um, and I'm going to, I don't want to slaughter the name, but your uh, your business is low. Is it P- Pioa? P- yeah, very good. I, yes. And I should know. I mean, I'm born I'm born and raised Sandy, Utah, but I'm not I guess I haven't gone far enough out of my box, but <laughs> yeah. I'm familiar with, you know, grew up going to Park City and stuff like that. So, um well, cool. Yeah. That's uh that's awesome. What real quick and before I want to jump more into the dog sledding and, you know, how people can get involved and stuff like that what are some of your growing up what are some of your favorite things to do in utah just 
kind of off the top of your mind, is there some things that grow, especially growing up in park city that, that you kind of come to your mind and go, man, I, I would recommend this for sure. If you're coming to visit Utah. Yeah. You know, Utah is such a unique place. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up, it's so easy to take things for granted because it's just an yep. everyday thing, but yeah. Um, you know, the resorts and the schools had such a great program, especially when I was going there, they're really good at getting the kids involved in the, in the mountains. So okay, actual park city mountain resort was just our playground um, winter and summer. That's and awesome. yeah, they have phenomenal, you know, as you know, uh, winter skiing there. And then in the off season, there's just, you know, mountain biking, running, hiking, uh, they have hundreds of miles of single track trail in these mountains. Yep. And it's just amazing. And then like my parents were really big on, on getting us out all the time. So we would go down to Zion. We're always down, you know, uh, playing through the narrows and stuff. And it was just, oh, okay. an, yeah, it was just an amazing um, playground. This whole state was right. Is. Right. Well, and weird enough, I, you know, maybe I was in a hole, but born and raised in Sandy, it was kind of weird. Like I got up skiing and I would get up, but it was on my own doing. And I'm sure even up in Park City, they, like you said, I think there's a lot of good resources while you're going to school to get people up in the mountains and play more. I will say, you know, like you said, with taking it for granted, I should have done a better job and I should do a better job now. I mean, I, I get up um, to Park City and up to the canyons and stuff, but it's not always for skiing. And yeah. so I always, first thing people ask me is like, man, you must live in the mountains. And I'm like, it's probably a, a typical Utah syndrome. It's just, it is hard when you're right here and you're so spoiled. You maybe just don't appreciate it as much. I don't know why I don't get up and go skiing more, but anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Life gets in the way sometimes too. It, it does for sure. So do you, is there any other activities like do you go up mountain biking or hiking? Do you do all that stuff or do you spend so much time um, with the dogs that you don't have time to do that? You know, it's, it's great. Uh, we, my day, so I work about 16 hours a day with our dogs and our rescues wow. and yeah, it's a lot, but we have such a phenomenal staff. Um, we have currently about six employees that come and help us okay. with our program. And, and so when they kind of take the reins, I'm able to escape and, and really hike. I, cause that, that's kind of my Zen, my, my, uh, antidepressant in a sense going for a trail run. Yeah. It's, yeah. I just, I love being out in the mountains and and then even with my children, we, we make it a point to head up to the Utah Olympic Park in the summer, yeah. especially on Saturdays because they have this like flying ace, um, the, the aerial show there. It's spectacular. And so they do that every Saturday? Yeah, every Saturday they have like some legitimate Olympians and uh, Olympic hopefuls going out and just throwing themselves off these kickers and landing in pools. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I knew they did that periodically, but I didn't know it was like a regular thing. Yeah. Yeah. They call it the flying ace show, the flying okay. ace show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's, that's great information, especially the people that we invite in um, to know that. Cause I, yeah, I mean, I knew they did it periodically, but I didn't know it was a, a consistent thing. That's great to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So you guys get up there and you watch that. Um, any other activities that your, your kids love to do? Yeah. So we had basically, we're very outdoors. So we go to the, um, the, the excuse me the reservoirs because we also swim our dogs in the reservoirs for for summer training oh, so awesome. yeah we're in the reservoirs a ton um a lot of the parks there's a lot of great local parks in, in you know park city and yeah. the silly market's phenomenal you know during yeah. sundays gives us something to do as well and great activities for the kids 
Um, but something that my, my children really, really love doing is visiting the Swanner Nature Preserve. Yeah, right in Kimball Junction. They do such a phenomenal job. Yeah, with like conservation and uh, learning about different animals and and critters that kind of run through their park is is, is awesome. And I know I'm kind of jumping around. It sounds like your kids are they just are they just in love with those dogs? I mean, is with all the dogs you guys have, do they just spend every not every waking minute, but do do they spend a lot of time with your animals with your dogs? They do. In fact, they see our dogs kind of like their siblings. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like they, each one of our kids have been running since they're four years old or racing, I should say. Okay. Uh, yeah. And our deal with them is if they want to compete in the winter, um, they have to give us at least two days a week um, working with the dogs they want to run and train. And uh, yeah, I mean, they have to, you ask my children what dog sledding is and they'll tell you that it's a relationship between the musher and the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the meaning of our sport. Okay. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. So do you live, are all the dogs located where you live? And I don't, so tell me, and I don't want to be completely ignorant, but what do you consider, uh, is it a shelter or is it a, like, what do you call your your compound where your dogs are at? You should call them a shelter, call it a shelter. We actually call it a, a dog ranch. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Rancho, Rancho Luna Lobos means uh, in, in English, Ranch of the Moon Wolves. And okay. so, yeah, basically, we, we do have about five wolf hybrids. We had a few more. A huge problem with the type of dogs that we use is they're so beautiful and they're so majestic looking. And when mm-hmm. people get such a hype off of watching shows like Game of Thrones or Eight Below or something like that, they want to go yeah. out and make pulse buys. Yeah. And they get these beautiful dogs and realize like, Oh my gosh, Fernando, I didn't realize what I was getting into. Can you please help me out? I can't handle this dog anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We've actually had to put a lock on our gate um, just to keep people from literally dropping dogs off in the middle of the night and then waking up to just a random dog oh in our God. yard. So what makes them difficult? Like, what aspects do people struggle with them? Yeah, you know, these dogs, they're a great breed. But if you don't have the time and energy for them, that's when they get a little destructive. So okay. they need, yeah, they need a, a certain amount of time in the morning and the evening, at least to go out and run, get some exercise, feel like they have a job and they accomplish their job for the morning and, and the evening, so to speak. So do you find that... Have homes. I mean, you won't find. They're such a special breed, right? It's not like you're going to find a dog like this in the pound or stray or anything like that. Are people having to seek these dogs out and find them that that breed? You know what's funny is that you mentioned that is the Nordic breeds uh, like Siberians, Alaskans, Alaskan Malamutes are becoming such a problem in shelters now. Um, they're almost as common as you would find pit bulls in there. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's sad. So we, my wife and I, we, at first we would go out to the shelters. We work very closely with our animal control here in summit County um, with the humane society. And Dane and I would go out to these shelters and try to pluck the ones out. Okay. And, and yeah, what, you know, what's funny is that one thing we can't teach these sled dogs, the number one thing we can't teach them is that drive and passion to want to run and be a sled dog. They have to have that. Really? So it has to just be ingrained in them. 
Exactly. I mean, I'll tell you, we have rescued some of the most beautiful Siberian Huskies, a classic black and white fur with blue eyes. And they are like professional couch potatoes. They don't like to run. <laughs> oh, wow. So even if you get them as a puppy or are you saying more when you rescue them at a later age, does it? Yeah, even even as pups. Okay. I mean, the, what's funny is that the purebreds don't make the best sled dogs. I mean, they 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 can, right? If you're running recreationally, but if you're looking to really compete and and you know traverse into the mountains, sometimes those purebreds don't make the best sled dogs. Okay, so how do you decipher whether you're, I'm guessing you've had dogs that aren't sled dogs, right? I mean, what do you, yeah, oh yeah, what do you do with them at that point? I mean, obviously you take care of them, but how do you as you rescue them and like you said if you do rescue them and they don't become a sled dog do you just accumulate dogs that you're not using or what do you do right great question yeah and like i said we yeah when we rescue them we we go through a a year of trial training we completely exhaust every single avenue to see if this particular dog likes to run and um unfortunately some of the dogs that we have rescued some of them were so badly abused that we've had to spend a whole year or two just get them th- getting them thinking like a dog again before we can even start thinking like a sled dog. Wow. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a different story with every dog. But if the dog 100% does not want like to run, does not show any interest in running in snow, we will take our time and find them the best home possible. Okay. And <clears> – <throat> Yeah, maybe they're they're like a little crazy, uh, too active for a family, but not as crazy to be a sled dog. Then we find that 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 median point, like where you know we've, we want an active family, but not too crazy, but someone that'll definitely meet this dog's needs. Now, are they safe? I mean, when you say they're they're active and they have to be, you know, they like to be active. Are they, you know, similar to the nuance of a a pit bull? Um, obviously, you know, a lot of people would say that's not accurate. Are these dogs, when they get destructive, can they be a a danger? I mean, are they super protective? Do they get, I don't know if violence a word, but. That's a great question, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know what you're talking about. The pit bull. There's so many mixed reviews on that. Um, but the Huskies in, 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 in general, are such a great family dog um, in terms of being, you know, safety. And um, for example, I I just had this uh, Tim, she's a Canadian gray wolf Malamute mix Mm. that was surrendered over to us last night. And um, we spent uh, about four hours with her last night. I was up at with her at 5.00 AM till about 9.00 AM. I'm really doing some exercises and she's phenomenal with kids, you know, and she has, she's mixed with wolf, you know? Wow. Uh, yeah, I know those wolves can be a little touchy too, a little temperamental, you know. But yeah, as as a whole, the Siberian Husky and the Nordic breeds are, are typically really good with kids. They they just get really destructive okay. in terms of bored. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. how many dogs do you have on the ranch right now? We have uh, we currently care for fifty eight dogs. Right wow. Now. And how many yeah. of them are in training? Um, we have about 53 dogs that are in training right now. We have about five dogs that are retired and, uh, it's funny cause Dane and I, we built this, um, what we call our doggy Pueblo. It's this little village, um, set up with, uh, 200 square foot cottages 
that are completely decked out like like a cabin you know hardwood floors they're air conditioned in the summer they even have netflix in them oh that's awesome so, <laughs> the retired dogs they just kind of hang out and, and walk. <laughs> they have their own house yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's funny so yeah. let's dive a little bit uh deeper into as far as what you do on a day-to-day basis tell me so at what point did it become and i don't do you consider it a business now or or not really is it i mean is it your yeah. every it's a business to you and then is it your everyday thing as well like that's what you do for it sounds like i know you said 16 hours a day so it's your mm-hmm. full-time gig right yes sir yeah definitely it's um yeah something we really trick take pride in my wife and I are so passionate about our sport and what we do mm-hmm. our main goal and main drive and, and mission in life is is to educate everyone about our sport because there's controversy about it you know whether it's good whether it's not well and I was and, gonna I um, was gonna ask that so now that you bring that up I mean on the surface I'm I'm a dog lover and I, you know I look at what you're doing is amazing because you're rescuing these animals and you know taking care of them and everything. But obviously there is also those people that you know I guess what you're alluding to is that they think it's kind of abusive because these dogs are pulling you around or whatever. Do you, do you get a lot of that? We do, okay. yeah, we do. And I am I. It's funny you know that you mentioned. Um, it's easy to take that personal, you know with what we, my wife and I do, it's easy to take it personal, well, but we have to kind of do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Our sweat, blood, and t- blood and tears. It, it's, it's a lot. But when we get, for example, this last winter, we had three different animal rights activists come by. Wow. And when they came, they, they came with the intention of just, you know, seeing what we're all about. I mean, granted, they gave me, you know, the benefit of the doubt, like Luna Lobos, they have a good reputation. Let's just see what they, what they, what they're about. And um, one of them, for example, I didn't know, until weeks later, she actually wrote a blog. She's uh, on the board of some of one of the animal rights groups oh. and had nothing but glowing things to say about our kennel and the different areas that she was going through with our, with us and, and during our tours. And, and yeah, she just felt like it was just such a good spiritual, like we had this, this spiritual connection with our dogs. And, and that's what we want to uh, portray is, is that we, you know, we are so connected with our animals that, and it is, it is a lifestyle rather than a business, rather than a hobby. Right. It's what's in. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, that's, yeah, that's hard. And I don't want to get too far, you know, into that debate, but even as you get these animal rights activists, I mean, most of them from what you've seen are they versed on these dogs or is it more so where they're just coming in saying you know what no we just don't like the way it looks they're not really versed on the the lifestyles that these dogs are wanting to live right yeah and you know that's so true you know we've had such a mix um we've had it so where people are like I love what you do. Your dogs look so healthy. They look so happy and their living quarters look so amazing. And they're like, you know, it's so funny that you've created this little playground for them, you know, on this ranch, (laughs) but they, they're they're just, they're like, I love this experience. But for me, I just, I still, I just don't like the sport and that's okay. You know, that's where we kind of have to, you know, agree to disagree. And, but, you know, we left them with a little bit of, uh, of, of hope, I guess you could say that, you know, not everyone out there is, is a bad apple with our sport. 
Yeah, and that is I could see where that would be such a gray area because like you said, you guys put your heart, sweat and tears and love these animals, you know, really in my eyes more than anybody else could. And yet you're still going to get ridiculed. But I guess that's just I mean, that's just the world. People are going to have differences and different views and, and see it differently. Exactly. Yeah. So what does, what does your typical day look like? Is, is every day different from you for you? I mean, I kind of want to get an idea of, of what you guys do as a business and on a, you know, on the daily, and then we'll kind of get into how people can get involved and what you guys offer and what you do. Um, but what, what yeah. do you guys do as a whole as a business? I don't want to be ignorant and just say that you guys don't go dog sledding. Cause I know that's not essentially all that you do what does what does your ranch do what do you do what is it and then what is maybe a typical day look like for you yeah so um some of the main key bullet points is our ranch you know we we're mainly the racing can our rescue kennel we also race professionally we also offer tours guided tours Mm -hmm. but with our philosophy at our ranch we're more so geared that education is first and 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 then like once you've gone through our, our our kennel and our tour then it's a fun experience with the dogs, you know, going on a fun little adventure with them on actual snow sleds. And, um, we also, um, we offer a kid's mushing program. So we have quite a few local kids that come up in the winter. They learn about our sport. Um, we set them up with at least one or two dogs, you know, from our own kennel and we set them up on these course and we do it for about eight weeks. And at the end of that eight week program, we have our own little race that we host where all our junior mushers compete against each other. It's, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. And you know, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no. So do you guys do that in the summer and the winter? Yeah. The, the junior musher programs mainly in the winter in the summer, however, we offer these great, um, summer, um, summer camps. Okay. And yeah, it's just been so cool. Uh, we've been doing it for five years now and we've just, it's just, our groups have been getting bigger and bigger and bigger, a lot of returnees. And it just teaches the kids to unplug from technology, you know, get dirty, bond with animals and, and especially connect with nature again, man, that's, which is, that's awesome. What, uh, is it a daily thing or do they have to commit for so long or, or how does that work? And then maybe what's the cost of that? So people know. Yeah. Um, you know, you can do, you know, you could come for one day if you wanted to, I believe it's like $70 for a day. Um, but usually our camps are week long Monday through Friday, uh, during the day. So 8 a.m. to uh, 1 p.m. And yeah, and there, we offer it seven, eight weeks in the summer. And it's uh, 250 per child for the week. So yeah, it's, it's a great experience. And, and it's so much fun because with our newer rescues, they're, they're really great dogs. But it also helps like open this door um, that they become so much more of a dog and so much more as an individual that, you know, it allows them to be who they are created to be. Yeah, what an amazing experience. It's fun. Yeah, it's great. So what other things, so you, you have the children's camps and then what does the, you know, let's say someone's coming in this weekend and I said, yeah, you should go up and and go dog sledding. What, what does that look like? Or what is that experience? What do you recommend if somebody, obviously they want to go dog sledding, they've heard about the idea and how cool it is, but they don't know what that means. What, what does that look like? You're sending up. Yeah. Um, if they're coming up this weekend, what we would do is, um, we'd actually sign them up for our dog sled safari tour. Okay. And it's basically, 
they come, they um, do an in-depth, you know, they get an in-depth presentation on our doggy Pueblo, um, the different types of breeds we use. And we, we share some really unique stories on some of our rescues that have really overcome some huge obstacles to be where they're at now. Um, get a look at our peace garden where we go. It's this secluded little area in our trees where we take our dogs to kind of rehab, spend one-on-one time with them. Like I mentioned before, sometimes they're abused. And so we kind of get them out of that, that shell. Um, and then after we move from the peace garden, we finally go up into the kennels where we get to meet all the dogs and, and we let them run and we play, um, our guests will, uh, get to harness the dogs. We hook them up to our dry land carts and we set off around our ranch for an adventure. It's really run the whole, the whole thing probably lasts about an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, the experience. That's awesome. And if you're a dog or an animal lover, I'm sure that's just a dream too, to, to come up and spend time with the dogs. It's so much fun. Yeah. Sometimes our guests go up there and they, you know, they find out that they'd rather just play with the dogs all day. Yeah. And that's what we end up doing. <laughs> that's probably yeah. what I would end up doing. So what about, what about dress? <laughs> so if they're going to actually go out sledding in the summer, I'm guessing they can just wear whatever, right? Oh yeah. I, well, something they don't mind getting dirty okay, because yeah. their dogs aren't very well mannered. Yeah. They like <laughs> to jump up. Yeah. Okay. So, and then in the winter, is it just your typical, and I know people that are coming in out of state may not understand this, but um, is it your typical, you know, Utah boots, you know, bibs or snow pants, coat, you know, just warm dress? Yeah, definitely. You want to dress almost as if you're going skiing because it does get cold. Um, And what's cool is, uh, you know, you definitely want to wear something that you can breathe and and be a little active in Uh because the way our sleds are designed um, we use what we call tandem dog sleds. So not only do we have some of our guests sitting in the basket and going and joining a ride, mm-hmm. I'll stand back and drive, but there's a tandem where there's another set of handlebars, brakes, and uh, skis where our guests can stand and drive with oh, us. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So it does require, you know, some skating, some little bit of running, but mainly just hanging on for a thrilling ride and actually get a, a real perspective on what it's like to manage and drive a dog team. That's awesome. So do you ever get people that come up ill-prepared? I mean, do you, do you have, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's a regular occurrence and I guess this is a fine line. Like yeah. we have so many visitors come in and I talk to them and you try to prepare them on dress and everything else, but they don't really understand it. And you know, it goes back to that saying, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but you know, in Utah, there's, there's no bad weather. There's just bad dress. So I just, I, yep. I always tell them like, you know, just layers, you know, born and raised in Utah, you dress layers. If it gets warm, great. You just fill layers. Um, but what do you do if you have somebody come up and they're, it, cause I've had this happen several times where people are in a parka and a pair of pants and they're like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And you're going, no, you're going to die out there. <laughs> like you're going to freeze yeah. and have a bad experience. What do you do in that scenario? You know, um, you, we've had that happen during Sundance quite a mm-hmm. bit. Usually they come dressed enough that we can, you know, get by, you know, a tour if if we wrap them up in extra blankets okay. and such. But we've had, especially, you know, during Sundance, you know, we get some people that show up in, in like winter fashion rather than like reality, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, uh, I don't know if those like leathered pants will really keep you warm. I, well, you know. And I've had that where I show up to go snowmobiling with people that come in. And again, they're in a sweater and some pants. And I'm going, look, there's heaters on the handlebars in the seat, but you fall in the snow. Or, you know, if it's middle of winter, 
it, yeah. it can get chilly and it just destroys the experience. It'll go from the best thing you've ever done to probably the worst thing you've ever experienced if you're not warm. Exactly. And I guess that leads to my next question. And I usually tell people too, when you're out snowmobiling, you're active, the sun comes out. Are you, I mean, for the most part though, is what you do active enough to where you say, look, you don't have to worry about it as much because you can be active enough to where you'll probably actually be sweating as opposed to freezing. Exactly. Yeah. Our sport is pretty active, but they can be as active as they want or as inactive as they want to. Um, yeah. And, and if it's something like, Whoa, man, you know, obviously those, those like thin, thin, like band shoes, they're not going to do the job. Right. Let me grab a pair of boots for you. You know? So we'll, we'll do that stuff like that. Do you guys have um, options for rentals? Like if people don't have stuff at all, not a huge variety, but we do some. Okay, so yes. you've got, but yeah. so the most part, even when people book, do you guys kind of give a disclaimer of like, hey, look, come prepared, you know? Exactly. And- yeah, we have a pretty good online booking system that literally sends out confirmations uh, two weeks before almost every other day, and then uh, sends text messages even like a few days before <laughs> come dressed warm. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Bring a no, camera and, we, yeah. and that's good to know too, is we send people up cause we do the same thing. You know, we make sure we try to, we try to over download, you know, if anything to make sure people are prepared, but at the same time, you know, I not always best to instruct somebody on, on another experience, you know? So um, I just know yeah, it's easy to forget sometimes and it yeah. is. And then, you know, but just knowing in Utah, I just tell people, look, just, just layer. And, and the hard thing about that is too, is most people that are coming in, you know, most people that come in to visit us, they're coming in from out of town. So they don't, you know, when you tell them to dress warm or, Hey, it's going to be cold, their definition of cold <laughs> and like in the snow, yeah. you know, freezing, whether it's January, February type of cold, um, can be a lot different. So yeah yeah oh yeah yeah. so as far as booking um is it do you just mainly have if they want to go sledding is that kind of one experience and then your other experience is more of spending time with the dogs and then you can do also do a combination of the two or what are the options exactly in the winter um our most popular one is our dog sled experience it's the kennel tour um presentation playtime with the dogs and then the ride okay um yeah, that books up very fast. And um, so when we were booked up, you know, that was kind of it. But uh, for the past few seasons, we've been opening up our doors. But even though there isn't a sled ride available, you can still come by, play with the dogs, have a kennel tour, get a presentation and still feel like you're a part of the, the pack. It just sometimes doesn't include the actual sled ride if we're, if we're booked yeah. up. So how far in advance yeah. would you recommend booking? Um, I would say as soon as you know, um, go ahead and book, uh, cause we're, we're almost booked out for the holiday season right okay. now. There's only a few spots left. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, once, you know, December rolls around, that's when January and February, February really start filling up. Now, is it so, a, is it a day yeah. activity or how much time do people need to set aside once they decide they want to do it? What are they looking at as far as time commitment? I would say give yourself with driving, you know, at least two and a half hours or so. Okay. Two and a half, three hours you know, driving to and from our ranch. Um, Cause then, you know, you can may want to stay a little longer playing with ketchup and basketball yeah. and depending on the doggy. Football, yeah. You know? so, That's what I, yeah. I probably never leave. So. 
<laughs> that's awesome. What, what yeah. a fun environment. Um, and, and you would recommend as far as booking, I'm guessing website, right? So lunalobos.com, go there, book. Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. Lunalobos.com. There's a reservation tab on there. And it also has a different list of our different activities. Um, something new that we're doing this season is we're going to open up a, a small little tubing hill. So, you know, guests can go tubing if they want after the tour, especially for the kids. They love that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. What yeah. about commute? So out of Park City, what would you say? 30 minutes or further? From the heart of Park City, like downtown, like uh Marriott Summit Watch mm-hmm. in Park City. We're literally uh, 16 minutes from there. Okay. Oh, that's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's not far at all. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. I mean, with winter traffic and Sundance, maybe a little longer. Right, but a little yeah, bit more. We're pretty close. And how? I mean, I go, but I'm coming up from Salt Lake. How crazy does Sundance get from a from being a Park City native? I mean, I only see Oof. it from the commute going up. Does it? And it just keeps getting bigger, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so nuts. You know, in town, it's so congested. It's a madhouse. Like we avoid it so much, especially that, that week and a half that Sundance is here. But if you're coming up from, um, from Salt Lake, it's just an easy shot to connect from I 80 to I 40 and then get off on uh, highway 248, connect to Brown's Canyon. And we're right on Brown's Canyon there. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, any other recommendations or, uh, Anything you'd make as far as dog sledding or Park City or just Utah in general? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, w- one thing right off the bat I can think of is, um, I don't know if anyone would be interested in, but it's September September 11th. We're having um, this gentleman uh, was following us around for about a year and a half uh, filming a documentary on us. And so the premiere is going to be this um September 11th at the Jim Santi auditorium in park city. So it'll be free. Oh, awesome. Um, if yeah, it'll just kind of go and, you know, get to see our race team and behind the scenes and kind of what we do as a kennel and a family and prep time. Any, any uh, Sunday yeah. aspirations on that or. Yeah. So we, uh, so we submitted our application, um, or we're going to, uh, or the, you know, the team is going to, I should say the film team, uh, so they're going to see if they can get in. Um, but they have, I think, got into Portland and they're on, I think they're might, it's, we might get into Ontario still in the air. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So that's September yeah. 11th. Um, what time are they doing it at? Yeah. Uh, doors open at 6 PM, 6 September 11th. Awesome. Yeah. Jim Santee auditorium. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will, I'll post that in the notes too. So if people are, are looking to attend that and then uh, I'll check my schedule cause I'd love to come up with that. That'd be fun to come up and check that out. Yeah. I'd love to have you. That'd be awesome. Okay. Anything else? Um, shoot. Not, you know, um, one of, one of the main locations we send our guests and they've absolutely loved it is the Homestead Crater in Midway. Oh yeah. That's, that's they a love, popular spot. Yeah. That's, a, that's a fun spot. Now I've never been up yeah. there. Does that go in the winter as well? It does. Okay. Oh yeah. And it's warm it's year round. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. I, yeah. again, sometimes I get talking and I'm like, man, I'm embarrassed to be a Utah. <laughs> I should know all, all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. But, the, to my defense, I do tell people there is so much going on and there's so much to do here, especially with outdoors and, you know, different activities. It would be impossible to keep up with it. I mean, we're bringing people in and sending them down to southern Utah, Park City, Salt Lake, 
And I, I mean, between yeah. fishing and, you know, off-roading and snowmobiling and skiing and hiking and by it's like, you couldn't keep up with it anyways. You know, there's just so much to do. It's hard. Yeah. 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 It's, it's cool. It's cool though. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Fernando. I, again, I appreciate your time. I know everybody else will too. Um, this has been, you know, a cool insight to get a little bit of a glimpse into what you do, um, especially for people that, you know, want to participate and come up and visit you guys. Um, what I'd love to do is even have you back on, I know how winter's creeping up on us when, so last question that I have for you, when is a good time? When do you see that transition for, uh, like fall to winter? And I know that's the impossible question, but do you have anything in between that transition or do you just mainly go essentially dry land to snow? Like it snows, you pull out the sleds or what does that transition look like for you? Yeah, it's basically from now until we have that like in between. There's a little too much snow to run our dry land, but not enough to run our sleds. We're kind of put on hold at that moment, which is usually at the end of November. Um, but until from now until then, we're running on our dry land version. And once there's enough snow, we kick over to the sleds. Do you have a period of time where you have downtime? Because I get asked that a lot too, where people are like, well, what – you know, I want to do this, this, and this, but how do I expect whether it's dry land or snow? And if somebody wants to come up and, and visit you guys, is there a downtime yeah. where it's that, you know, slushy, muddy, where you go, look, we just stick to come up and experience the animals and, and do the ranch, but not go out sledding? Yeah, you know, I'd say a lot of November, or excuse me, the end of November is a lot like that. Sometimes beginning of December where it's still that hit and miss, whether we, you know, yeah, and uh, so, yeah, it's more like we're open for kennel tours and playtime with dogs at that, at that time. Awesome. What about holidays? Yeah. Cause I know, especially oh, yeah. with the snow, are you guys going holidays? Yeah. We're open all the time. Yeah. Just running, um, switching out teams, making sure the dogs are getting enough rest while the other teams are running. And that's kind of how we rotate them. So yeah, we're open pretty much all the time. That's awesome. Cool. All right, man. We'll be talking offline. Um, again, just want to say thank you again for giving us some insight. And uh, I'll make sure yeah. to put your information in the notes. If anybody has any questions, they can jump on your website. I know you're also on social media, so go look them up. They've got some awesome pictures of the, you know, their beautiful dogs and family and everything that you guys do. So, Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate you thinking about us. Yeah, no, for sure. We'll be in touch. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you.